0: all right this is gary paris from cbs sports it's now late sunday january 10 2016 this is the eye on college basketball podcast and i'm joined by matt norlander and Sam bassini we got a lot to get to but let's start with uh The big news from Sunday, the somewhat surprising news from Sunday, if only because you don't expect the coach to get fired in January during the Golden Globes, uh, UNLV has removed Dave Rice as its head coach. Now, um, I I think most of us in college basketball knew this was a possibility, um, especially uh, considering Dave entered the season on the hot seat. And then after the loss the other night, I guess the most recent one was Wyoming, Uh, I just saw the tweet I wasn't at the press conference obviously I didn't uh, watch the press conference but um, I saw where Dave Rice actually had a quote where he said he fully expected to coach the team on Tuesday and I guess my point is if you ever have to answer in a press conference midseason whether or not you think you're going to be coaching the next game you're really on some some so called thin ice and so Dave Rice is now out as UNLV's coach Matt Norlander your thoughts on the end of the Dave Rice era at UNLV.
1: A few thoughts. One being, uh, Doug Gottlieb shared a photo on Twitter uh, shortly before we started recording this podcast that that next game that Dave Rice thought he would be coaching, the printed ticket against uh, New Mexico has his face on it. <laughs> so wow. that's, that's a little that's weird That's what you're looking for? <laughs> that happened, uh, I'm not going to rack my brain, that also happened recently, I want to say last year or the year before, uh yes. we had a really bizarre I, I, situation i I remember like no, it was a player it was a player's yeah. face Ooh, uh, on a ticket yep yep can't remember who it was listeners knowing will let us know if we haven't figured it out by then feel free to at mention us but it was it was really uh really bad timing okay so i, what I,
0: feel, I feel like it was a was it a kansas player i can't remember dude I can't was remember it either. was he at
1: cliff alexander after he left maybe
0: it might have been Cliff Alexander. I Maybe.
1: Know. I can't remember for sure. but um, Hey, let's so, talk about
0: some more stuff we can't
1: remember. So a few, <laughs> things, a few things here. Uh, one, I did tweet out a, a, a few numbers just on Rice overall, and I was just kind of presenting the numbers. Some people thought I was presenting them that has to stick up for Dave Rice, where I've actually been pretty critical of him over the years because – He's had success on the recruiting trail, and UNLV certainly um, had not been lighting the world on fire. In fact, Kruger had kind of been winning in spite of Long Kruger now at Oklahoma. Had kind of been winning in spite of that to a certain degree, whereas Dave Rice got there, recruiting took a big jump. I mean, he had the fifth-rated class in both 2012 and 2014 this uh This past season, 13th best class, and he gets Steven Zimmerman, considered one of the best big men in the class, obviously McDonald's All-American and a five-star player, but the problem obviously becomes the burden that lands on your shoulders once you're able to prove yourself on the recruiting trail, obviously you have to pay big dividends on the court, and – there's uh, two ways to look at it. One, Dave Rice has won 64.5% of his games since he got to UNLV, but the problem is, within the league, he never went better than 10-6. and six. He always had the highest-rated recruiting class in the league since he got there, except one year when it was rated second. Simply didn't win, never won an NCAA tournament game. Each year since he got there, his win totals were going down, and his win totals this year were tracking to be the worst yet, so he wasn't doing well. I'm not huge on firing coaches mid-season. Uh, I understand that every scenario is different, and sometimes athletic directors believe that they can do that to get a jump start on possible candidates. It's my belief that UNLV probably is going to get the same guy uh, by doing this now than had it done it at the end of the season. Uh, that's my guess, but and you know who knows what true details. Aside from obviously a bad start They blew a lead at Wyoming, and they're nine and seven, and it, it, it's brutal overall. But uh, the question I posed on Twitter is: I don't, I don't think this has happened. If has there been a coach in the past ever, but you know, past three decades that is that has been fired? Now I know that UNLV put out a release that said he resigned. Uh, that's got to be bogus because. You get fired, you get the payout. If you resign, you don't get the money coming to you. So I think that's. Well, awesome. I mean, they can negotiate anything. Like They, they can, can yeah, for they, sure. Yeah, I mean,
0: they can say, hey, we'll call it a resignation. We'll still give right. you your money. You know, however right. that works. But, but listen, it is a
1: fire. But when we get down to brass tacks, you got fired, so you get fired. paid. Yes. Without a doubt. Yeah. So I, if you eliminate the notion of any sort of scandal cutting you loose uh, prematurely, I don't know if we've ever had a situation where a coach is one. More than 60% of his games within the first five years at a school and been fired, but UNLV with the recruits, with the success, and then the other utter lack of, of big time victories in March and in that conference led to this. It's definitely surprising, and, and listen, it's it's a major headline and unexpected in college hoops because we don't get like UNLV GP and Sam. What would you say job wise? I would say top, I would say top 30 job, and you usually don't get those opening in January. Well,
0: let's let me ask you this, Sam. Um, okay, wherever it is in the country, top 30, top 40, I, uh, sure. Like we can debate that in a second. Where is it in the Mountain West? Is it the best job in the Mountain West?
2: Uh, I think it's the job with the highest ceiling in the Mountain Got West. It. Right. For sure. Yeah. I agree. Um, I mean, San Diego State's a fine job. What Steve yeah, Fisher's not, done there is yeah. great, but it's not, it's not Las Vegas. I mean, you, it's not difficult to get kids to come live in Las Vegas, I would say. So it's definitely the job with the highest potential. Uh, And I think we saw that Rice was not having problems getting the kids. He was just having problems, you know, developing the kids once they got there. I remember, uh, I want to say, like, in November 2014, a kid that transferred to Florida Gulf Coast said that, like, nobody on the team was developing in any way. Like, they were putting in plays, but uh, no one was really working with them on a day-to-day basis to kind of get them better. And I I don't know how true that is necessarily. I I don't have an insight into that, but – uh, I mean, if that's the case, then that this firing makes sense. If the players aren't getting better while he's there, uh, th- that would be a significant problem, and there's no real reason to keep him around for the full season.
0: Well, I think one of the things you've seen on Twitter, and, and we are recording this on Sunday night, so one of the things you've you've seen on Twitter tonight is that uh, people say, "Hey, Dave Rice, nicest guy in the world." Dave Nice, really, and he is. Like, I mean, I like Dave Rice, like really, the nicest guy in the world. Um, but like it'd be impossible to intelligently argue that the players were getting better under him um, sure. or that the team was reaching its potential relative to the talent. And I think ultimately that was Dave's biggest issue. If you're going to enroll like that kind of record and like Norlander, that's what you, you sort of posted about like that, that record in and of itself, like in a vacuum, ain't bad, you know, two NCAA tournaments in your first four years, Who knows where this one was headed? Clearly didn't seem like it was headed the right direction, but it's also just January 10th. Could have turned it around, theoretically. Uh, But So you go to the NCAA tournament twice in your first four years, you're winning above 60% of your games. Like, in a vacuum, that ain't bad. But when you've had the type of talent he's consistently had on his roster, it is bad. And when you get that level of guy in your program, you better produce with them or else. Frankly... It's a little bit, or a lot, like what Josh Pastner is dealing with at Memphis. Yes. Like, if you look mm-hmm. at Josh Pastner's, uh, like, I think I, I tweeted this not too long ago, Like, the, and, and it might still be true at this moment, but through however many games Josh Pastner had coached as recently as two weeks ago at Memphis, so through six-plus years, his record was identical to John Calipari's, like like the same record, whatever it was, and uh, and so... You know, an outsider like somebody who doesn't really follow the program closely might go, "Oh wow!" And Memphis fans are, are upset, and and there is some like wow to that. Um, I don't want to spend twenty minutes talking about it, but there is some wow. Like, what do you what do you want from the Memphis coach? On the other hand, relative to the talent they've had in place, you know, McDonald's All Americans and five star recruits. Um, they probably haven't you know lived up to expectations. And and Dave Rice was was dealing with a lot of that as well. And and for, like honestly, it's why Dave and, and Josh were both on everybody's hot seat list heading into this season. Like, okay, nice guy. It really does check all the same boxes. Nice guy, uh, has recruited at a high level, but what are you doing with the recruits when you get them? I don't think Dave Rice ever won an NCAA tournament game. Josh, he not. Yeah. Josh pastor yeah. still hasn't been to the Sweet 16. And so um and, and, and so here we are. What I find, uh, I don't know, let's just call it interesting, is that, I, I first off, why now? I think the boosters put a lot of pressure on them. Like, they were frustrated. This is
1: significant. To me, it's significant pressure. I understand, yes. like, you come off the loss to Wyoming, that's bad, it's on the road, but you really blew a big lead. and they're I, not.
0: Well, the Colorado State one was awful, right? Was it Colorado yeah. State the other night? Uh, no,
1: Wyoming. It was The other night, Wyoming. literally, their, their most recent loss was Wyoming. And, uh, no, no, it...
0: no, I know, but, like, Wednesday night, was that Colorado State?
1: Yes, it was.
0: Okay, yeah, I was in studio, CBS Sports Network, for that one. And we're all sitting there. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. It's me, it's Doug Gottlieb, it's Brendan Haywood, and it's Brent Stover. And we're watching this thing. UNLV's up 10 with eight minutes to play. And we watch it get cut to eight, and we watch it get cut to six. And we all sit there. Like, there wasn't even a a, a, a contradictory opinion. Like, we all go, oh, wow, here it goes. Like, they're about to do this again. And and they did it again, like they blew another one. And when you're a UNLV fan, my producer of my radio show, Brad Carson, is a UNLV graduate. So like I have to, I don't have to. I mean, I, I, it sounds like I, he drives me crazy. He doesn't drive me crazy. I'm just I, I hear it all the time. Like, oh my god, he's so frustrated by it. Why do we blow leads? Why do we look like we can't play? Why do we get McDonald's All-Americans and then can't win with them? And I think this week was the culmination of all of that. You blow yeah. that lead. Colorado State then you come back and lose to Wyoming and the boosters then put pressure on the administration to make a change now like hey we are tired of this let's do this now I can't stand it anymore and so that's how we got to what happened on Sunday what's interesting is that I think most people know they were close to doing this after last season and whether it was let's give an alum another year and make sure we we um we give them a fair shake whatever that means, or whether it was simply a money situation. Like, we don't have the money to buy him out right now, so let's see how this goes. We've got Steven Zimmerman coming in. Maybe it'll turn around. Whatever the motivation was, they decided not to do it. But there was a push to do it after last season. If they would have done it after last season, you know who they could have hired, right? Probably
2: you know, would have been Ben Howland, right?
0: Not only could they have hired Ben Howland, yeah. ben, like ben Howland wanted the job. Like If, if you would have talked to Ben you know, February of last year, January of last year. um, And you said, okay, what's the job that makes sense? What's the one, like, of the ones that might open? um, Like, UNLV was the one. Like, you know, I mean, listen, I think he's happy at Mississippi State now. He's got recruiting class, recruits on the way and all that stuff. But, like, you know, given the option of moving to Starkville, Mississippi and rebuilding in the SEC or moving to Vegas, and and having the best, you know, arguably the best job in the Mountain West. Like that's the job. So like by hesitating, for whatever reason UNLV hesitated, they probably missed on the opportunity to hire Ben Howland. And that's uh that's just another unfortunate byproduct of all of this.
1: It was a wild swing by the way. Let's it should be a reminder to any coach that enters a season on a hot seat. This was a 7 and 1 team. Wins over Indiana and Oregon. And heading into the season, those two programs were definitely considered top three in their respective leagues. Um, and at that point, I mean, if we had talked on December 5th, yeah. the day after UNLV beat Oregon and was 7 1, and you had told us, anyone has been like, uh, just, you know, Dave Rice is going to be gone five and a half weeks from now. We would not have believed it under, you know, like, uh, no way, no way that's going to happen. But yeah, here we are. So, I mean, you guys want to hit on just, listen, we're super early in this, and I actually think the candidate. Who will, will kind of get interesting, maybe even change a little bit as we go forward. But you want to just quickly opine on on reasonable and possible names here?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've made some phone calls tonight already, and and the name I heard most, the name I heard most often that made most sense to me, Kelvin um, Sampson, you know, the, the obviously the former Oklahoma Indiana coach. Now he's at Houston. He's got Houston off to a nice start this season. Um, I think at UNLV to succeed first, you just have to be really good uh, or mm-hmm. good. Like Lon Kruger is like, you know, he's Lon Kruger, but he was great at UNLV. So I was about to say you need a big personality, but that's not true. Lon's a great dude, but he's not a big, you know, over the top personality, but I don't think having a personality hurts in that market and obviously being good. And I think Kelvin checks both of those boxes. He's a personality, he's a name and he's good at his job. I, I and he can recruit a relentless recruiter. Like, I think Kelvin Sampson would be great at UNLV.
1: Sam likes more Kelvin more than... I don't hate the Kelvin I Yeah,
0: I do. Yeah, I think
2: that'd be a
1: really good hire. Steve
0: Lavin's the other one I've heard tonight. Like, you know, Steve... Also L- think that'd be a good hire. Steve Lavin comes up... Um,
1: Why do you think Steve Lavin would be a good hire? People listening will we'll see what Steve Lavin was completely unable to do at St. John's and know was that... Was he completely uh,
0: unable to do it at St. That's the St. John's? thing. I think sometimes that gets lost a little bit. Like, he didn't fall on his face at St. John's.
2: Yeah, No.
1: Not saying that he did, but a lot of people think that he was not uh, a great coach at that program. Well, so why h- would you h- go to h- another h- program h- with h- a storied history, similar entry point, I guess, for St. John's or uh, as as UNLV? So Lavin might not seem well, like an honor. I'm just saying, yeah. sell people no. on why they might be confused on that. Well, here's
0: here's the deal. Okay, so um, you know he missed like one whole season, right? His, sec- his second season. He missed. So really, at, at St. John's, he coached he coached four years. He made two NCAA tournaments, two NITs. He went at 81 and 53. Um, he went to the NCAA tournament, of course, last season, and then and then got removed. I, I think I think Steve would be fine there. Big personality, and um, you know he has a track record of success. He's been to Sweet 16s. He's been to an Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. Um, the argument against Steve for UNLV, as long as we're speaking openly here, um, what's the rap on him? Can get good players, but what can you do with them, right? Can you really maximize your roster? Like that's the that's the complaint about Steve. To the extent that this complaint about Steve, and if you just like literally just removed a coach who kind of had that same reputation, I think magna, more magnified for Dave Rice than it was for Steve Lavin. But it's still kind of rooted in the same stuff. Then that might might give you pause. But given the candidates, you're probably going to be able to pursue pursue, uh, pursue. I think I think LAV makes. Um, I think Lav makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, I I think Kelvin Sampson makes a lot of sense. But like, let's let's say for whatever reason you don't want to go that direction, Lav makes sense. I, you know, um, Past Pasternak at, at at Arizona, the associate head coach. I've heard. Yes. Um, I've heard that yeah. name. It's interesting. I've heard that name mentioned. I think he just got. Where did Trier go to school? Alonzo uh Trier went all over the country, kind yeah, of. Yeah. Um. Yeah. um But I, I, was he responsible for that one?
2: I don't know know enough internally
0: about that dynamic. Um, I thought, I thought that did Trier finish at Finley prep? That sounds right to me. I don't know. I just know that he's, he's, he's recruit helped recruit well at Arizona. And, um, some people I talked to tonight thought he might make some sense. Yes. Um, Trier
2: finished at Finley.
0: Yeah. Okay. So Finley, of course, is like in Nevada, uh, it's in Vegas, uh, isn't it right in Vegas? that i i mean can't. it's there somewhere it's clearly, Matt, help. it's clearly connected <laughs> to UNLV right so um like i have heard that i'm just throwing out names that i've heard from people connected in the business And henderson yeah henderson which is that's that's vegas it's just right outside vegas so yeah. um I mean- so but, like, Patrick, do we
2: think there's a chance Simon gets this job. Todd Simon was named the interim coach. I don't think we've said that yet. Oh, I think podcast. Listen, well, uh, there, I there, mean,
0: there's always a chance for an interim who has some, some success. I mean, let's just look at USC football right now. Right. Did anybody yeah. think Clay Helton was going to end up the coach at USC, but he garnered enough support among the, the, the power people, the people who make those types of decisions and, sure. and he won enough to get the job. So like, listen, if I'm Todd Simon, I'm thinking this is a great opportunity for me. You, I mean, uh, I, I think it seems pretty obvious at this point. One of the reasons he's the associate is because some of the money people believe in him. Like you know, you have got a former head coach on that staff. If you if you and you've got Stacey Ogman on that staff. If you wanted to, um, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you get Ryan Miller, um, who's been an associate head coach, is on that staff. So there's a lot of different ways they could have gone with the interim coach. They went with Todd. So Todd clearly has some of the right people in his corner. And if you are able to turn this thing around, and honestly, I don't know why you can't, because like who scares you in the Mountain West? If you turn this thing around to whatever degree, then you could build up a momentum where it could be your job. Absolutely. If I were Todd, that's the way I'd be looking at it. uh, Seriously, they could
1: say go ahead, Sam.
2: They could drop like seven more games in the mountain West this year, as long as they win those three games in the uh, tournament. I mean, they can go to the NCAA tournament. This right. team is that talented to where that wouldn't be crazy by any means. No. So
0: if I'm tied, I'm looking at this as a, as a big opportunity, right? Like, um, yeah. but if they don't go that direction, I mean, I think the names we've already mentioned are obvious candidates, probably some other mountain West uh, assistants, but oh, oh, Reggie Theus, I think his name will be, I've heard his name.
1: Yeah, but I mean, come on. Like, I understand he's a big name and would know, kind of fit, but like, has not won nearly enough. Like, UNLV shouldn't meet. shouldn't be, They got to be going for a guy. If you're going to fire a coach midseason and fire Rice, who won at the clip that he did, and again, I'm saying that fully being aware of how he did not win in March and did not win nearly enough in the Mountain West. Uh, you know, you just make sure you get a good hire. You know, and and I do wonder about motivations here. I wonder. If the you say it's booster influence, I have zero doubt about that. But you know, ads. Every single athletic director in the country has a list. Okay, there's a list about if I do not have my head coach when I wake up tomorrow morning for whatever reason, who am I? Who am I going to chase? Here's one, two, three, four, five, six. And so UNLV has that list, and it'll no doubt start working on that. Uh, I'm super intrigued by that. And one more quick thing on Rice. Let's remember that he would be employed right now if he had taken the South Florida job. Yeah. Uh, That was open to him. Uh, Opted not to. And at the time, you know, it, it was easy to see why not. He was, they were still doing well on the recruiting trail. And it is UNLV versus South Florida. Uh, and the reason why you know UNLV fans think that it's the best job in the in the conference is because obviously it's history, it's location. It hosts the league ter- championship and will for the foreseeable future every March. So there's def it's definitely the reason why I think it's a top 30 job in the country is it's merely because of the amount of talent at the high school level that just emanates from there. Uh the league that it's in, it 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 has the potential and should be Without question, a, a top two program in that conference year in and year out. It just has not been able to do that in recent years under
0: All Rice. right. Let's move on because uh, we, we we tend to be opening podcasts by spending 20, 27 minutes on the same subject. I don't know if that's the way you're supposed to do these, but uh, whatever. Sometimes we, we just get to talking. Let's move on to earlier tonight. I think while this story broke, actually, uh, I know I, I, what I was doing. I was watching Villanova Butler, and uh, Villanova ultimately wins at Hinkle Fieldhouse, and for all of the questions, uh, some of which came from my direction, after they were run off the court um, by Oklahoma, uh, now you've got a team that's 14-2 and overall, 4-0 and in the Big East. They've got a top-10 offense, a top-10 defense. Uh, Sam, it looks like everything's okay with Jay Wright's program, huh?
2: Yeah, um, that, I don't think that should really be a surprise, should it? I mean, I know they lost those two games rather big to Oklahoma and Virginia on a neutral and an away game. But uh, this is a team that's still tremendously talented. Josh Hart's taken a massive leap forward this year. Uh, he is probably going to be in the conversation for Big East Player of the Year, even though Chris Dunn still resides in that conference um it's just a tremendous tremendous group who really gets after it on both ends they can play two point guards they can play a little bit big because of uh daniel Achefu there they have great wings i mean it's kind of a complete team to me that i fully expected to turn it around because you have to assume that eventually the three-point shooting is going to bounce back and i mean it Kind of has recently a little bit, uh, but it's still sitting right around that 32% mark overall for the season. You'd be surprised if it didn't get all the way up to 35 by the end of the year. And the fact that they're number one nationally in two-point percentage uh, is, is remarkable given who they have on that roster. So no, I am not. I was never real worried about Vill- Villanova. Uh, I don't really think there was a reason to be. And I, I think that uh, they're probably the favorite in the Big East at this point.
0: Uh, Matt, Butler, meantime, is now 1-3 and three in the Big East. Does that say something about Butler, or does that just say something about Butler's schedule?
1: Something about the schedule. Uh, they did get the, win at, the road win at DePaul earlier last week, and that was one they needed because they had the roadie against Xavier. Can't expect him to win that. And then there was that uh, big-time Providence showing on New Year's Eve where they lost the Big East opener, you don't want to lose at home, um, and to have dropped home games to Providence and Nova is rough, but those could—well, could, could well, you know, I still believe Xavier's the second-best team in the conference, but, you know, Providence, mm-hmm. Nova, Xavier, Butler, that's your top four. Butler's is just out of the conversation to win the Big East now. It's not going to be able to make up ground. Especially, you know, it's still got a, it's got a road game against Providence next week, a road game against Creighton. It's just not going to be able to make up ground, especially with Villanova being the only undefeated team in the league. Overall, it's going to be a, a tournament team, I think. Um, it is weird to see a Butler team like this as unreliable on defense as it's become. Uh, watched most of the Nova-Butler game uh, tonight, and it, it was low-scoring and, and ugly, but not in a, in a typical ugly Butler way, I guess. And listen, Holtman is definitely more offense first than defense first. There's definitely been an overall philosophical change. But it is just a little weird to see Butler winning in a different kind of way. And when it's losing, it's not losing the way that it used to. I'm not that concerned overall. I think it should get in with some comfort. But now you're looking at a situation here where you got to win against St. John's this upcoming weekend and then split the roadie, either win at Providence or at Creighton if you can, to try and keep water there. And, and going forward, I think they'll be okay. But uh, any hopes of Butler contending at the top of the league are now gone.
0: What but Butler's doing right now is the one that gives me the most trouble with the top 25 and one. Because I try not to penalize teams for losing games that they're supposed to lose. And yet, so I've got them like top 10 in the country. Uh, but like they've lost three of their last four. But the losses are to, their four losses are to four teams that I have ranked ahead of them. Uh, specifically, uh, Xavier, Providence, Villanova, and Miami. So they have no bad losses. They've got four losses to, to top 10 teams, as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, and then they've got wins over Cincinnati and, and Purdue. But uh, when a team's lost three of its last four, and I don't drop it, man. But yeah, that, they'll
1: be out of the polls on Monday in the EAP. No, I wouldn't will necessarily. I, I still believe, they yeah. might be fringe, but I still believe Butler is one of the 25 best teams in the country.
0: You know, they, 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 you think they'll really drop out of the top 25?
1: I do. I think because uh, I think it's fifty fifty. I'll Politex
0: attack somebody over
1: that. Well, they're eighteenth, right? And they lose a home game, and I know Villanova's is really good. Uh, if you drop shot.
0: from eighteen and out for losing a close game to Villanova, it's I've seen worse. So that well, that's why we I, have I've the seen politex. worse. Uh, do, are you keeping right real quick? Right? This
1: wasn't on our pre-podcast uh, agenda, but I do want to run up on you since we're talking your rankings. Um, Oklahoma won. Uh, against kansas state by double digits on saturday and so i did a quick write-up and i just said hey listen with what oklahoma did against kansas triple overtime just a classic game you know it would be really cool to see the pollsters uh not just you know bow to their typical trends and tendencies and let's just keep Oklahoma number 2 because frankly they've earned it oh, do oh, you sure. agree with me there what do, yes. what do you, what are you thinking for OU
0: I've had Oklahoma number 2 since they lost the triple overtime game like i won't yeah. I, I won't yeah there, if you drop yep. Oklahoma after a triple overtime loss at Allen Fieldhouse like shame on you i mean then you're just doing exactly what it is i mock which is just move up and down based on wins and losses without context mattering at all so um i think it should be kansas oklahoma i actually think it will be kansas oklahoma i think that game was so high high profile that uh i i don't believe people will drop oklahoma i think maryland will stay in at three but that'll be interesting to see what'll be really interesting to see is what happens with louisville and what happens i guess with butler although i can't imagine dropping 18 to 26 like i i, I, I think
2: the most interesting team in the poll uh tomorrow will be kentucky
1: Kentucky, Virginia. I mean, we do have a lot of movement coming. Virginia, yeah, Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, Arizona lose twice. Virginia the, the, lose twice. The thing becomes Kentucky's like – Kentucky's got issues. Look, I, I really do
0: think I'm the only person in the world who looks at this every single day. Um, with, you can make of that what you want, but it, I feel like it's probably true. Kentucky still has wins over Duke and Louisville. Like when you, when you get down there at 22, 23, 24, 25, like good luck trying to find people who have wins like that like they they just don't exist so i
1: know let's just real quick Louisville has lost uh, games against three of the best four teams that's played well that
0: well, louisville is interesting to me because they have been you know uh, they've been right around the top 10 at one point now i think they're 16th in the ap poll and and a lot of that was rooted in the idea that they had no bad losses right their losses were just michigan state at michigan state kentucky at kentucky so if you wanted to believe at them you could but Believe in them, you could. But once you go take a loss at Clemson and you don't really have great wins to, to, to offset it, then then that's when I think you take a hit. Say Purdue is in a similar deal, right? You know, and, yeah. by the
1: way, I will say I mentioned the three. Yes, Purdue is very much in the same boat. But with Louisville losing against three of the four best teams it's yeah. played, that one win that it has was at NC State. And NC State is just swirling right now. Yeah. Ten and six, lost three in a row. And it has zero good wins either, except against LSU. If you want to consider that a good win on a neutral, so uh, you can really just slip right down the rabbit hole, and then you start bouncing too many teams off, of, and then it's like, what am I even doing here? But I, I gotten it like Louisville to me. I kind of have fought the notion of that being a top twenty team. Um, I, I buy it as a, a viable ACC team at this point, but. It, there is definitely a, a serious case to be made against the Cardinals overall legitimacy.
0: I was making um I was looking at the top twenty-five and one earlier tonight, um that based on I didn't have Purdue losing, so I'll have to like earlier this afternoon, so I'll have to go back and adjust. Um I was just trying to get some extra work done while I had some free time. I was like, I'll go ahead and work on this, and then of course Purdue loses at Illinois, gets blown out of Illinois. Um but I had Louisville slotted in the in uh like between twenty and twenty-five. Like I didn't have them in the top twenty anymore because when you look at the resume, if you like, if you wanted to just say, "Hey, I know they hadn't really beaten anybody, but they hadn't lost anybody either." Like at Rupp, at 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 uh, Michigan State, and both uh, losses were competitive games. Like then you can rank them kind of wherever you want based on I believe in them and they have no bad losses. But Mm -hmm. once you lose at Clemson, you can't say that anymore. It changes a lot. Um, uh, The most interesting team I, I saw this this morning. Um, at least interesting in, in, in the sense that they are really all over the place, is Virginia. They have five yeah. top 50 Ken Palm wins. Five top 50. That's, that's, I think, as many as anybody else in the country. I, I want to say maybe Kansas or Oklahoma also has five. But that five top 50 Ken Palm wins is, a, I know this, is as many. Nobody has more than that. Somebody might have as many, but nobody has more. And then they have three losses outside of the top 50. So they're undefeated against the top 50, but they got three losses outside of the top 50 uh, early in the season at GW. And then, of course, just past week at Virginia Tech and then at Georgia Tech. What like what, what are they? Are they one of the best teams in the country that's five and zero against the top 50? Are they um, are they somebody that can lose to anybody, notably Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech?
2: Yeah, I think there's someone who can lose to anybody. Uh, that's
0: how much. Let me ask kind of you Sam, how much of this, this. I had a coach tell me this one time.
1: They were both road games, by the way. Not a, course, they didn't yeah. have lost both of them, but they yes, were both road George, games.
0: Georgia Tech ain't bad. You know, they're, they're, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying they're great, but they're better than they were last year, and they, and they, were, so, they played a lot of close games last year. Um, I, I've had somebody tell me this. I, I said it was a coach. Hell, it might have been a, a, a you. I don't remember who told me this. But somebody said the problem with Virginia, to the extent that there can be a problem with a team that's won back-to-back ACC championships, is that um, they're better than most people, but because they limit possessions in a game, they're susceptible to this kind of stuff all the time.
2: This is definitely something that I've said before. Am I um, yeah. yeah, it's just the fact that you play fewer possessions. I mean, you, you think about it, like the more possessions you play, the truer the outcome should be, really. Sure. Uh, as far as talent levels. And uh, Virginia, by limiting possessions, kind of makes itself more susceptible to uh, kind of having greater variance in their outcomes, in my opinion. So it's not really a. It's not crazy to me when they lose these games, but I mean they're a team that can beat anybody because they're so disciplined and so smart and uh, very talented. Even I mean, you look at Malcolm Brogdon, London Perantes, uh, uh, Anthony Gill's also great. Like, like there's there's a lot of talent here. It's very disciplined. They have maybe one of the three best coaches in the country as far as X's and O's and getting your guys uh, down to where they should be. It's just this is what happens when you play. 60 possessions a game right now when the shot clock's thirty uh thirty seconds long.
0: You mentioned Tony Bennett might be one of the three best coaches in the game and I, I don't know whether it's three, five, ten, but he'd be on everybody's list somewhere. Um what's funny is on Friday when we did the podcast, we were talking about coaches in waiting. And subsequent to us recording, um I like Tom Izzo was a coach in waiting at Michigan State. Sure. That's a pretty great Well one. I
1: thought about him, but I didn't want to say it on the podcast because yeah. I didn't know if he was a true coach in waiting. Oh, he was simply got yeah. the job after Judd no, left. He was. I actually texted and found out. Okay. Like he was definitely a coach in waiting. Popped coach. in my head and for whatever reason. I thought that he might have not been. But okay. Tony Bennett was also yes, a coach was. in waiting
0: at Washington State. And then the other yep. good one, Matt Painter at Purdue, was a coach in waiting. Remember, what? he was he was the coach at Southern Illinois, and uh, and then went to be Gene Cady's associate and coach in waiting. Like uh, I don't
1: a, remember that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he was at he spent one year at Southern Illinois. So I was at Southern Illinois over the weekend, sideline duty for CBS Sports Network for the Wichita State game. And, um, the pictures of Matt Painter in the arena. Right. And like, mm-hmm. I'd almost forgotten that he was there for a year. And so I texted him. I was like, man, you had an 83% winning percentage <laughs> at, at, at SIU. I was like, they, they should, they should, uh, put you in the hall of fame here. He said, I, he texted back. He said, I put it in a solid 11 months of work. Hey, was <laughs> so, awesome. Yeah. No, his, team's, no.
1: his team is, uh, no, that was tough a today. little mercurial on us here.
0: That was tough today. So, um, uh, Oh, the other thing going back to last Friday's podcast real quickly um i had a couple of people and i know you guys saw it too ask afterward i can't believe you guys didn't talk about kansas oklahoma and the issue becomes for us i'm speaking for myself here you guys can chime in um we we're now recording on sunday nights because i travel every monday morning like i've got a 7 a.m flight tomorrow morning um, so we, we we're recording on Sunday nights, and then we we record again on Friday mornings because I'm I travel on Thursday mornings. So basically, we and and Tuesday feels like that's that's too close, and we just aren't doing Wednesdays for whatever reason. So we're doing we're talking on Sunday nights and Friday, and by the time we were at Friday morning it felt like that game was so we were long just so ago.
1: far removed. But yeah. yeah.
0: But like, I was like, like clearly looking back at it, if you expect us to talk about everything we haven't talked about yet, we should have. So I apologize to anybody who wanted us to hear, uh, wanted to hear us talk about Kansas, Oklahoma. It's just by Friday morning, it felt like it was so long ago. Cause that game was on Monday night, but like, um, if you want to know what we thought, I, I'm confident it was all what everybody else thought. It was awesome, and it was fun to watch. And Buddy Hield is tremendous, and he was the uh, player of the night. And will uh, I think Matt Norlander be the yes, player? Yes, CBS that, Sports. That
1: happened after the most recent Player of the Week update. So yep. Buddy Hield. Uh, by the time people listen to this, it'll actually probably <laughs> be on the site on Monday. He's the player of the week, um, and he's the front runner. I yeah. mean, GP, you, you assembled your. So I put out a list about three weeks ago I ripped it apart. over the Christmas break. You put out a, a most recent list of logical candidates for Player of the Year as we stand right now. Um, you want to just tick them off real yeah. quick? and then Sam, you can I have, I have just one thought on this Good. after Sam responds. Okay,
0: so I, I just sort of ranked them as of Sunday afternoon. You know I just really was writing about Denzel Valentine and wanted to try to provide some context for where he might sit in a Player of the Year conversation after missing four games because of uh, knee surgery. And so if I were ranking him right now. I'd go, I think, Buddy Hill Oklahoma, number one. Chris Dunn at Providence, two. Denzel Valentine, Michigan State, three. Bryce Johnson, North Carolina, four. Uh, Fifth, I'd go Mellow Trimble, Maryland. Six, Ben Simmons, LSU. Seven, Perry Ellis, Kansas. Eight, Jared Utoff, Iowa. Nine, Grayson Allen at Duke. Ten, Jakaperto at Utah, and then I, because I know how f- readers are,
1: like they always. Uh, are. you're copping out right now. They could not have been more. You are f- copping out, man. You Why can't is it cut copping it off out? at 10. That- you got to throw in five or six more names.
0: <laughs> you know what? You just try to do whatever you can to like lower the amount of no love for. Uh, nick moore you know like you just wait like i got yeah
1: are are the are the mentions inundating you so much that you can't sleep at night gp about nick moore
0: not anymore (laughs) not anymore i'm fine i'm like i'm I'm fine um here's what i would say is that um first off the one that drives me crazy is like and this happens with the top 25 and one basically every morning somebody will say it'll just be this tweet in response to it um where's indiana like oh th- listen, dumbass. If you if 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 you don't see them listed, they're not listed. Like don't ask me where they're at. Like if it, or like I had somebody today earlier today say um you know with uh K- Kentucky taking a loss to LSU earlier in the week, don't you think they ought to be lower? This is what they tweeted in response to my top 25 and one. The obvious response to that being, if I thought they should be lower, I would have put them lower. I'm in charge of this. What like why would you ask me if I think they should be lower? If I thought they should be lower, I would just put them lower.
1: what this is you- stuff he thinks about while on the treadmill. <laughs> this
0: is going crazy. Seriously. Hey, GP, one question. Don't you think Kentucky should be a little lower? Dude, they're my rankings. If I thought Kentucky should be a little lower, they would be lower. I'm in charge of it. Nobody tells me where to put them. What, why would you ask me that question? You ask me if I think they should be a little lower or higher in the AP poll. Don't ask me, dummy. I get this. All that drives me crazy. So the other one that drives me crazy is where's – um. Uh, where's, what would, what would be a team that's on the fringe right now? Where's, um, I don't even know where Indiana was
2: a pretty uh, good one.
0: Where's Indiana. I, li- listen. All right. You looked at the list. If you didn't see Indiana, you know, they're not listed. Why would you tweet that at me? It just makes me not want to rank Indiana even more. <laughs> so, so, um, I, so what, my point being, you try to cut down on those. Well, where would you have Nick Moore? Where would you have Gary Payton? Where would you have A.J. Hammonds? So after the list, I wrote, before any complaints, anybody complains, let me say I could reasonably, and I actually do um, believe this, you could replace the last four spots with uh, Sabonis, Ben Bento, Josh Hart, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, Rico Gathers, so on and so forth. And somebody actually did say, oh, you're backpedaling. I'm not backpedaling. I actually believe this. You could take, I think Hill, Dunn, Valentine, Johnson, Trimble, Simmons, have to be on everybody's list and then the next four i think you could reasonably pick from a list of 15 and i tried to give whatever that list is that makes it you calling me a feel like you're calling me a, i feel like you're calling me a chicken norlander
1: you're a little bit of a chicken but you just made my point so your top six the player is going to be is going to be one of the top six there's nobody outside of the top six. do
0: you understand if i thought kentucky should be lower i would have put them lower
1: yeah i know <laughs> hey gp I get that. Where's Damian Lee? Where is Damian Lee? I, I actually almost did put him on there. Hey, <laughs> and, and listen, Gary Gary Payton's little boy is it should be in that mix. His little boy. Seventeen point one, eight point three boards, five point four assists, and Oregon State's eleven and three. I would have him right there, but my one takeaway from your list is your top six. That's one of those six will be the national player of the year. Yeah, I it would have to I take agree. like Kansas, you know, winning out. Perry Ellis just absolutely going bonkers the rest of the way. I just don't see I think it's, it's you know, just almost a given that the six that you mentioned at the top, one of those six will be the National Player of the Year. Right. How about some shout-outs and love to your boy who in the preseason picked Buddy Hill to win it, though? How about that?
0: Was that you? You did do that, didn't
1: you? You bet, you bet it was me. Good for you. Now, everybody, you everybody's everybody got Buddy Hill fever now in Orlando. I know. Hey, listen. It's okay.
2: He's an even-money uh, favorite right now. Oh According I I, to Vegas. I think he
1: makes as much sense as anybody. Like Chris
2: Dunn's at seven to one, by the way. Yeah. Which is crazy.
1: It's crazy value. <laughs> wow, he's at seven to one right now? I yep. would take,
0: I would take that at seven to one. Out of doubt. Are you kidding? I That's might take saying. that at seven to one. Without a doubt. Like I, like,
2: I may or may not have taken that at 7 to <laughs> 1. <four.
0: laughs> yeah, I might go max bet 7 to 1 right now. You know, just whatever. Um, but no, he'll. So, like, so you're, you're basically backing up what I said. The top six are, are belong on everybody's list, yes. and the next four could be replaced. You, you got a list of about 15, and you can pick the next four. It doesn't matter to me where you get them from. That's what I, that's all, that's the only. honestly, i was all
1: Just list 10 and get out of there.
0: That's all. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Like uh, what? A, a, Cause Kentucky fans chime in on everything. Bless their heart. I love them. I'm not trying to even be a, a smart ass here. Uh, like they, like anything you write about anything, like Kentucky fans will chime in on it. Anything like it'd be, you could write, you could rank the best arenas in the pac 12. And Kentucky fans, well, what do you think about Rupp? You know, they'd want to know how Rupp compares to the Pac-12 arenas. Like, it doesn't matter. So, one of the first comments I got on this was from a Kentucky fan who was like greatly offended that Tyler Ulysses, um, uh, that Tyler Ulysses was not on this list anywhere. Could not believe Tyler Ulysses was on the list. I love Tyler Ulysses, but like, what do you do with a with a uh, with a player like Tyler Ulysses who is? um Shooting 39% from the field and 28% from three, um, turning the ball over twice a game for a team that's underachieving. What do you do with that? You don't put him on the list. I didn't think he belonged on the list. I love Tyler Ulys. I didn't think he belonged on the list.
1: I mean, he doesn't belong anywhere near the list that. right now. No Kentucky player does. Ooh, uh, <laughs> that's, just the fact
2: that... that's a little bit farther than I'd go. But uh no, no, no does not that's no. well, then not. Well, then
1: who not would you who in. would you
0: put on the list? Jamal Murray
1: state the obvious no one's no one's even close on kentucky to being in the national player discussion right now let's no
0: but it. could you put them on if i've got 21 yeah names, i want there's like, to there's like go like 25 names here yeah, um. yeah
1: okay that's yeah but come on that's ridiculous you know that's like what are we doing here
0: kentucky fans it's matt.norland yeah <laughs> at cbs interactive <laughs> come, come at me <laughs> okay so listen let's look ahead a little bit um monday night there are no games how about this no real college basketball games
1: how does this happen, GP? How does it happen? Um,
0: clearly, it's because of the college football um, national yeah. championship game, right? And so typically on a Monday night, we're going to have ESPN games, ESPN2 games, U games. But it, it seems pretty clear to me ESPN wanted no competition for the college football. They, it's all college football playoff tomorrow night. They're putting it like... You know, uh, every, I think every, I think really every ESPN channel is. Yeah, they do that thing. Yeah. But you had do. a
1: great line. I was setting you up, man. I, I know. My line would be. Um... College football has more control over college basketball than it does over the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl.
0: I didn't need you to read my line, Norlander. I could have handled it myself. You,
1: you, were, you were slow to the pitch, my Lord. I realize okay. that. Which really- is a great line, and it is 1,000% true. The,
0: the college football playoff has more control over college basketball scheduling, I'm going to say it with authority, than, than it has over the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, which is, which is both ridiculous and true, because they can't move the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, and that's why we ended oh. up with these stupid semifinals on new year's eve but they they moved an entire college basketball schedule like nobody's playing tomorrow night in fact i talked to steve forbes the east tennessee state coach uh earlier today they had to they had a game schedule for monday just because it was like they had a game schedule for monday they are moving it to like a different time they're playing early tomorrow and the reason and the reason is because of the national championship game i'm not sure exactly what time they're playing let me see if i can look that up
1: um well, you look that up. I'm saying Bama by 17. It's one of those things where, and, you know, let's just really quickly dip into the college football angle here because yeah, we all like The Fighting Forges
0: are it. playing at six. The
1: Fighting Forges are playing at six. It, like, I, I, it's one of those, like, I just cannot picture a situation. Maybe it's just because, uh, you know, I, I'm coming at it in a way where people that don't really follow college basketball would vastly underrate Oklahoma because it hasn't been good in a long time. But, like, I cannot picture Clemson in a national title game beating Nick Saban. That's all.
0: I kind of like the idea of Dabo winning. I struggle well, I like with this. I
1: like the idea of it, but I'm trying to picture Clemson and I and I'll be honest, I you know, I don't really have a rooting interest, but if I if you asked me to pick one that I'd rather see, I'd rather see Clemson win tomorrow,
0: night. You know yeah. what? Like I uh, so I, I Typically, by the time we get to this like level game, I kind of know who I want to win. Like, uh, independent of who I might wager on, I kind of know who the story that I would prefer. I really like Dabo's story, and, and I uh, like more to the point, I like the how openly he discusses it. Like, I don't know if you guys saw um, last week, his brother was arrested. Yeah, for... how
1: crazy is that?
0: Yeah, well, how about this? How crazy is that? Right? It is crazy, except it ain't really crazy. Uh, men going through divorces get, get charged with all sorts of crazy stuff all the time, like stalking and, and – uh, Yeah, No, I'm not
1: saying – I'm no, just but, saying but like, it for, happens right when yeah. his brother is about to coach for his first national championship. What, what
0: I liked about – first off, I hate the story, right? His brother apparently has had substance abuse problems, and it's been a nasty divorce, and the guy sounds like a creep, and – Um, There's domestic violence allegations in his past. Like, the guy doesn't sound like a good guy. What I like, so I don't like the story, but what I, you know what I mean. What I liked about the story was, um, you know, this this is put on Dabo's plate just like four days, five days before the national championship game. Like, you know, the biggest day of his professional life. And you know how coaches are, especially football coaches. Like, you take that kind of story to Urban Meyer. Like, Urban Meyer wouldn't even talk about, like, his own guys getting in trouble, his players getting in trouble, much less, like, um, his brother, who's an anonymous man for the most part. And they took this to Dabo, and he talked about it. He said, you know, he didn't say, I'm here to coach football. I'm here to talk about my team. I'm only focused on the game. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, but essentially, I love my brother, um, but he is almost 50 years old, and he has a long history of making – Poor decisions, and I've done everything I can to help him. But at some point, he has to help himself. And um, it was just sort of a continuation of him talking about this incredibly dysfunctional family from which he originates. Um, You know, uh, you know, alcoholism in his family. You know, he's talked about growing up and like police cars being at the house was fairly normal. Lived with his mom throughout college. Like, this is a guy you know i think we're used to athletes you know having to overcome incredible odds to get to where they are but but it, it isn't always the case with coaches and this is a guy who's whose life resembles you know a uh, an uh, an impoverished uh, you know athlete born into incredible circumstances more so than it does uh, you know resembles like your typical coaching story right and so, so I sort of like that story. So I sort of like the idea of Dabo winning. Um, on the other hand, I also am a big fan of greatness. I, I don't know. I, I think I've talked about this on radio before. I don't know if I have ever talked about it here. Like I like, I root for LeBron James because I like the idea of greats being great. You know, I root for, you know, I used to root for Tiger Woods because I like the idea of greats being great. Um, and I sort of like the idea of Nick Saban being great. Like, you know, winning a fifth national championship, pulling to within one of Bear Bryant. So, like, you know, in, in college coaching, every opportunity you get that you don't take advantage of that is, is one you, you might not ever get back. In other words, this could be his opportunity to get to five and, and set him up to get to six. And if he doesn't get this one, he might not ever get a chance to get to five or six or seven or whatever. So I kind of typically root for that. So I'm conflicted here. Do I root for Dabo's story or Nick Saban's greatness? Help me. What should I do?
2: Root for whoever you put money on.
0: Oh, I'm going to do that, right? <laughs> I'm going to do that. But I typically... You know, like I put, um, I usually, I tend to bet on who I, on the, on what story I prefer. I, I figured out a long time ago, like ain't none of us any good at this, like picking game stuff. Right. So I stopped trying to analyze stuff and I just go, okay, what would I prefer to happen? All right. Now I'm going to root for that. And, and so like the way I would typically bet on a national championship game is by betting simply on what story I would prefer. The problem here, of course, is that I'm not sure what story I prefer.
1: Okay. So who do you guys think is going to win? I think
0: Alabama's
1: going to win. I think. I think better. Alabama's going to win. Yeah. Okay. Me too. Um, wrap it up with the games, GP. There are just a. I I can set it up if you want um, for Tuesday and Wednesday. We just top five teams are going on the road, so we could have a situation here where we've just got some waves coming with Kansas on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday you've got uh, Duke and Oklahoma uh, playing away from home. You know, so we we do have some interesting stuff happening midweek.
0: Well, I think you've got. Um... You know, and Miami, Virginia's. A that's the game one right. I was going to bring up, right? You got Miami at Virginia. Miami will probably be in the top ten of the AP poll uh, for that game. Virginia, of course, on a two-game losing streak. You get Kansas at West Virginia. Um, you get uh, Iowa State at Texas. Ooh, there's another one. That's uh,
1: you know that, you get Maryland and Michigan. I mean, there are there are a bunch here. Yeah. Um, you would think it's going to be. Uh, a shake up week. I, I I would I would certainly think so.
0: Yeah. I and Tuesday night uh should be great. But yeah, um you know, Miami going to Virginia, that's just that's just tough. I mean, you could be literally the number one team in the country and go lose at Virginia, right? I mean that mm-hmm. nothing crazy about it. And then, you know, West Virginia's fourteen and one. You know, lone loss to Virginia. So like the the top ranked team in the country, I wonder will can' are we how significantly, if at all, will Kansas even be favored in that game? I bet it ain't much.
1: Mm-hmm. I would think they won't. How about be.
0: this?
2: Yeah, I bet I looked. At I Kim think Poms. it'll be like one point for Kansas.
0: Yeah, Kim Palm's got it as a West Virginia
1: win. Uh, how much though? Seventy-eight, seventy-seven. Yeah, I'm probably. One, oh, yeah, maybe one point five. West Virginia fair. West Virginia is one of those teams where they just haven't had a lot of high-profile games. People really aren't sure how good they are this year, but uh, I mean they're pretty freaking good. And Huggins, you know, his programs, his teams just don't stay down for too long. Uh, so that's just a huge—it's a huge opportunity for him, and that'll be one where if they get the win, you know, West Virginia will be on everyone's radar going forward as and, and certainly a team uh, within the Big 12 that opens up things. If Oklahoma can take care of business on the road, to Oklahoma State on Wednesday—that's obviously bedlam rivalry game. We'll see. O- OSU doesn't have the homie Phil Forte for the rest of the year, so they're obviously hampered in that regard. So disappointing. But it, you know, listen—it should be interesting. Duke goes to Clemson. Clemson's not been great, but they did get the win um, over Louisville, and if they beat Duke, um, it just you know could kind of blow up the ACC a little bit there as well, or at least just open it up for North Carolina in a huge, huge way.
0: You see what I'm saying? Like, if I thought Kentucky should be lower, I'd have them lower. You don't have to ask me that. Do you get it? i get it man you can subscribe to the Ion college basketball podcast on itunes you should do that it's the quickest way to get it. Your...
1: i tried to open up <laughs> sam to talk more on this podcast but i can't shut up it's basically last week's podcast
0: is it do you feel like sam didn't participate this week
1: i feel like i he sam did. do you
0: it's feel like you participated helpful.
2: To be fair, I, I was just like kind of throwing my little basketball up in the air for the last like 15 minutes. I probably could have hopped in at certain no, points. No, well, hold on. Before we wrap it maybe, up, Maybe Sam, next week I'll try and jump in.
1: Sam, you pick a topic right now, Sam, that we did not get to that you they, want to talk about. Go. The,
2: we should talk about Alonzo Trier at some point. <laughs> okay, uh, let's
0: talk about that now. Alonzo
2: Trier is out. Hey, everybody. Thanks for, for,
1: for listening, Sam. We yes. appreciate <laughs> that. You can <laughs> the Ion College Basketball podcast. I am
2: the Matt Damon of this podcast.
1: <laughs> Joel, <laughs> that's great that was, that was always funny when Kimmel did that. Yeah, like, no, that sure.
0: made me laugh every time.
1: Paris, let's yeah. talk more about how funny that is. Sam, what were you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: no, that, you know what? If you wouldn't have stopped me right then, I would have gone the next five minutes talking about Matt Damon and Jimmy Kimmel.
1: And we would have <laughs> totally forgot about Alonzo Trier. You're already starting. Sam, go ahead. Talk about Trier. Uh, Alonzo
2: Trier. He'd been really good for the last month since the calendar turned to December. He'd averaged like 18 points a game on a 67% true shooting percentage. Uh, he's really good. And now Arizona <laughs> is going to be without him. No Move. wonder
0: we don't let so. you talk. <laughs> your, your analysis is that Alonzo Trier is really good and now they're going to be without him.
2: Yep. <laughs> Done.
0: Hey, see what you've been missing, guys? For all you out there that want Paris to <laughs> shut <laughs> up. You see what the alternative is, right?
1: He just dropped a true shooting percentage on you.
0: (laughs) I did. Hey, I know what I want to talk to you about. Norlander finally wrapped up making a murder.
1: We can listen. We cannot get into this right now. One because I'm sure we have listeners who haven't
0: finished. (laughs) (laughs) Like honestly, Norlander, you don't want to talk about
1: it. No, I'm 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 fine to talk about it, but it's also late.
0: I got to go to bed.
1: It's late, and there are so many layers. I I let's let uh, anyone listening is probably still binging. Next week, Next week, maybe just a quick three four minute thing on it.
0: I can't do anything in three four minutes.
1: <laughs> That's also very true. But I know people <laughs> are still like people are like what I was a week ago when they're just like trying to All live right. their That's life, fair. and they That's can't fair. dodge these spoilers like for the life of them. So I don't want to infect their podcast listening. All
0: that. right, fine. Let's go to sleep. You can subscribe to the Iron College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. Go do that. Yeah, that's the quickest way, like I said earlier, to get your hands on the latest episode. So uh, knock that out, and then we will talk again a little later on this week. Till then, take care.